a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. And the problem that God has with that is that he didn't command it or institute it. He, he, he only wants images that he commands and institutes to be made. And when he makes himself, when, it, when the scripture says that Jesus is the very image of God, then he has made an image of himself for us, Jesus. And if we were to not have pictures of Jesus, then we would be breaking the second commandment. But now all this rests upon this moment and that you must do the right thing in order to reap the benefits of this. If you're going to be forgiven, if you're going to be atoned for, if you're going to get the imputed righteousness of God, you must then do this. And and this is what's so terrible about what we call decision theology is that it, it takes everything away of the gospel and puts it all back on the law. I mean, this is a stop-the-press sort of thing to see God, you know? Wow! That's amazing! Stop the song! Tell us about that! That's great! For those who thought going to the dentist was bad, this is Table Talk Radio. <laughs> that does sound a bit like a drill in your molar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's that sound? Oh, that's just Table Talk Radio. <laughs> How you doing today? Oh yeah, fine, just fine. All right, you ready to do some praise song crunching I'm, then? Oh man, I got I got to get warmed up for praise song crunching. So I'm glad it's coming at the end of the show. We have um, bumper sticker theology. That'll be a good warm up. And I got my Theopedia here, randomizing an article for me, getting ready for buzzwords. So nice. Well, let's hear yep. it. What's your buzzword? Matthew. Matthew, the apostle. Oh okay. Yeah. He, uh, the author of the gospel, he was one of the twelve apostles. He was a tax collector. Uh, he, he and and uh, here, here's the amazing thing, right? There's four uh, gospels, three synoptic gospels: Matthew, Mark, Luke. And and Matthew uh, describes his own calling, Matthew chapter 10, which is maybe the theological center of the entire uh, of the entire gospel of Matthew, where he he uh, um, he recounts how the Lord calls him and comes to his house and all of this sort of stuff. Uh, it's really, it's uh, it's it's really quite amazing. Good. My theological buzzword for you is opus alium, um, which what? is Latin. Opus alium, and I oh. came I came across this word in a, a reading, and uh, I'm going to I'm not going to tell you what this is yet. I'm going to read this paragraph. We're going to play a quick game of agree or disagree. All right. Do you understand the rules? Yeah, yes. <laughs> okay. This is. So I have to tell you if I agree or disagree. <laughs> hey, you're good. All right. <laughs> Nothing is by you. <laughs> okay. This is what the paragraph says. <laughs> Law and gospel are both words of God, but Peter constantly gives the gospel a higher honor. In its preaching, God is proclaiming who He really is and what He really wants to do. The law may be a mask, but the gospel is not. In the law's condemnations, God proclaims his opus alium, his foreign or strange work, which he has to which he has to do to save men, but does not reflect what he really is like. Proclamation is the law. Uh, proclamation of the law is necessary so that sinners can understand their lost condemnation and their lost condition. Uh, though the law creates e- uh, internal misery in sinners. It is an act of divine mercy, since without it, the gospel cannot be received. Oh man, that's tricky. Uh, here's, I mean, a couple. There's a couple of things in here that make this particularly tricky. Uh, um, that the, the law is the alien work of God. Um, 
is almost true, but I would prefer to make it tighter by saying the condemning work of the law is the alien work of God. Now, we know the law always condemns uh, because we're sinners, but uh, before the fall and after the resurrection, the law will not condemn. And according to the new man, the gospel comes to us with no condemnation, and that, and that's where it's the perfect will of God, uh, as uh, as our, our, our confessions will call it when it talks about the third use of the law. So, um, so I wouldn't so that's kind of that's the first tricky part, and then the giving of the law is an act of divine mercy, uh, because it prepares us for the gospel. That's also kind of tricky. I mean, I can understand why it's being said, um, but it it seems like a kind of a, uh, a a confusing thing to say. It's not necessarily helpful. I mean, it's true the law, insofar as it's showing us our need for Christ, is showing us our need for Christ, but it still is the law and not the Lord's mercy. So I don't know. I mean, it depends on if you want me to put the best construction on things, or, or if you want me to uh, be uh, do a normal mean spirited table talk radio. You tell me. Uh, I'll put the. Best I got no idea who's. I have no. I have no idea who said that, by the way. But uh, I mean, I like what they're thinking about. I'm just not 100 percent sure if it's as tight as I would want it to be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So, but the, but the the opus. What alien... did you write this? Is this from a, a paper? That yeah, you wrote? yeah. <laughs> okay, don't turn this one in. Okay, got it, got it. Cross it off. <laughs> I'll just Ooh. I'll just submit all of my my papers through uh, Table Talk Radio <laughs> Review. <laughs> you you know what I'm saying? I mean, do you get oh, my yeah, critique yeah. there? Oh no, I exactly know exactly what you mean. Um, yeah, yeah, that's good. So, but, but the opus alium is the, the alien work. Uh, the alien work of God, which is to condemn. So uh, it, it's in Jeremiah that this phrase comes from, right? I will do an alien work. Um, and so it talks about how the Lord coming with condemnation because it, it, it is his nature uh, to be merciful and kind. That was a nice section in there where it said that, the, um, that when God acts with us according to the gospel, he's not acting with a mask. I mean, uh, that's a really quite a it's quite a stunning thing. Is that when we want to see the very heart of God, um, it it's in the death of Jesus. It's when God and, and it's a sort of a strange sort of thing. Is when God is most hidden, then He's most clearly revealed mm. <laughs> in the suffering and death of the flesh of Jesus. Right. You, well, you could put that sentence in there and see. <laughs> well, this was actually from. Uh, uh, David, Dr. David Scare on Long Gospel. So, oh yeah, there okay. it is. Okay, let's get go. into this. Who am I? To, I, by the way, have a since I'm correcting <laughs> David, I could correct myself too. The call of Matthew is not Matthew chapter ten; it's Matthew <laughs> chapter nine. Because I went to look it up. Oh, nice. So Jesus says uh, in Matthew nine nine. Jesus passed. He saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. He said to him, "Follow me." And he arose and followed him. And Jesus reclined at table and house. Behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now you have to think, here's Matthew hosting Jesus. And the Pharisees come, who all their whole lives have been rejecting Matthew and his ilk, etc. Now Jesus is here, and the Pharisees come to confront him. And Jesus says, Oh no, here it goes again. But, here's verse 12, But when Jesus heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick... Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So this is the, the kind of theological center of the Gospel of Matthew, and it's right on the fact that the Lord has had mercy on him, a sinner. Wonderful stuff. 
It's too bad you corrected yourself because then uh, David Scare could have corrected you on the on the Matthew uh, reference. So. Yeah, we you should have him on to co-host and read a paper of mine. <laughs> oh man, that would be fun. Oh, that's a good idea actually. All right, let's get into our our emails here. The first one we have is from Angel, and he writes: uh, Judge Andrew Napolitano has said uh, in speaking about our the origin of our rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and other unalienable rights. There you go with the unalienable again. Um, Our rights come from our Creator. We are made in the image of God, and just as He is free, He has made us free. Uh, Angel asks, I was wondering if this statement, just just as He is free, He has made us free, is theologically correct, according to Lutherans. If so, why or why not? And he says, P.S., my girlfriend and I were going to hang up the phone so to go to sleep, and I told her, I'm not sleepy, but I'll listen to Table Talk Radio. Don't worry. <laughs> that's a good that's a good. Do we solution. have a liner that says, your cure for insomnia? <laughs> we, we should. We have something like table that. Talk, well, we have, table Talk Radio. We have the liner from uh, uh, Todd Wilkin that says, when I can't sleep, I listen to Table Talk oh, Radio. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's so. right. All right. <laughs> a couple minutes here. Uh, what do you think of that? Uh, do we? Uh, yes, it's, I, it, now, that it's true. I think it's true um, that God created us in his image and that God is free and that we have then, according to the image of God in which we're created, we do have a certain freedom there. I mean, it's the it's the freedom of the creator of the of the of the creation, not the freedom of the creator, but it's still a freedom. But the point is that the image of God is lost. We've lost the image of God so that our flesh now um, reflects not the image of God but rather the image of our father, the devil, the image of the fallen world, the image of bondage. So we are born then not with the freedom that God created us for, but rather we are born completely in bondage to sin and to death. Now, when Jesus comes, he comes and bears the image of God and brings it to us and restores it for us. And so by faith, we have this uh, freedom now. The new man is free to do nothing but obey God and rejoice in his word. But the flesh is still in bondage to slavery. So in this life for the Christian, there is a kind of um, a, uh, a bondage and freedom at the same at the same time. Now, I mean, how does this apply to secular things, though? Um, we do still have some level of freedom when it comes to outward civil righteousness, uh, Aristotelian kind of stuff, being a good friend and a good neighbor. We have some freedom there. But the, when the when we lost the image of God, we have no freedom now concerning the things of God and His gifts. Right. But when when this judge is talking about the origin of our rights and the pursuit of of happiness and life and liberty, he would be speaking in the the civil realm. Um, well, and and here's an interesting thing: is that as far as legislation goes, the way that the Lord does it, and we've got to think about this a little bit more. But the way that the Lord does it is that He it's almost as if the image of God that is lost is still involved in legislation <laughs> the, uh, whenever uh, is it Lamech goes and kills people uh, and the and uh, and the Lord says look you shouldn't murder because you were originally created in my image so that the image of God kind of has endu- an enduring effect in in legislative uh, decisions so in that sense I think this is probably right all right well we uh, that's all the time we have in this first Whoa. segment we're gonna play church Whoa. sign theology and bumper check theology right for this don't go away Offense. 
but you should listen to Table Talk Radio. Seriously, no offense. Confessing Christ in a Lethal World The 2011 Our Lutheran Faith Lay Theological Conference features Professor John Pless speaking about Lutheran ethics in a postmodern culture of death. It all takes place Saturday, February the 19th at Mount Olive Lutheran Church in Loveland, Colorado. Registration is free and lunch is provided. For more information and for RSVP instructions, click on the flyer on the homepage at tabletalkradio.org. Back this music table. takes me back to Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> you threw me off there. <laughs> you know when we were clubbing here at Hope Lutheran, we had our clubbing service. You're back oh, with Table Talk Radio. Maybe we'll get a little radio. bit more of that at the Praise Song Cruncher later. Maybe oh, so, but first maybe we have some so. church signs and some bumper stickers uh, to, right. to talk about. Uh, the Got first it. one comes from Crystal, and she found a church sign that says... One parts knowledge, two parts faith. <laughs> what does that even mean? Yeah, that's what she said. But after that, she says, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> Why not, uh, you know what, um, you, you should have a sign. You should put this on your dorm room. It should say, one part Jesus. That's it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> what else one do you part, need? One part knowledge, two parts One part faith. knowledge, two parts faith. So apparently, um, that what they're saying is uh, faith is very important, and knowledge is a little bit important. <laughs> you got to know a little bit and believe a lot. Uh, I don't know. I don't you know, know what you can do with this sort of thing, though. You remember the catechism business, um, the uh, cat, the saving faith. K A T knowledge assent and trust. Remember that? No. So that our our uh, <laughs> Lutheran confessions say that um, it's not just enough to know the history. That's not enough. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. even the devil knows the history. So the, this is a, one of the problems is, um, is that the Roman Catholic Church at the time of the Reformation was describing faith as knowledge of the uh, knowledge of the history of the evangel but that's not enough that's not faith so you have knowledge to know the history that jesus died for the sins of the world uh, assent is to agree with it to believe it's true and trust is then that that personal um uh, oh this was our buzzword last week wasn't it fiducia salvifica or whatever that was uh saving faith is to trust that jesus death is for me so here here's i'll, I'll just kind of walk through it so knowledge would be the bible says jesus died for the sins of the world now, anyone can know that. I mean, the atheist and, and the devil can know that the Bible says that. That's not. That's just knowledge, but that's not saving. Assent would be to say, yes, I believe that it's true that Jesus died for the sins of the world. But then trust is to say, Jesus died for my sins. Right. Good. Um, let's go to the... So the, what was that? One part knowledge. So ours used to be one part knowledge, one part assent, one part trust. Nice. Hey, uh, your phone's ringing. Oh, yeah, here, I hear it. <laughs> so do I. 
<laughs> I'll answer that later. All right. Guys, the the, the number is we got a caller. We got a caller. Sola, not not Pastor Wolf on their cell phone. <laughs> this is CPH telling me there's something wrong with my order right now. So. <laughs> All right, well let's let's go to the phones. <laughs> Hello, I'm calling from Wisconsin, and I have a bumper sticker for you guys. I'm behind a car right now, and it says with the digits number one, one cross, plus three nails equals four given and um i know pastor wolf miller likes to to know the bumper sticker fellowship the other bumper sticker (laughs) on this car is a navy bumper sticker so anyway i love your show thanks bye all right what do you think of that one cross Uh, plus three nails equals four given it's a, it's a, you know you can see how this bumper sticker came about you can kind of see the creative process behind it someone says hey forgiven is a lot like forgiven <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so what can we do math to add up to four so there's one one then three and there's a cross oh no you're dissecting hands. people's creative process <laughs> yeah i want to reflect this you know hey i by the speaking of creative process you know these baptismal certificates we're just about to ready to to uh, have it in um in in Russian and uh, and Spanish now. Yeah. This is, uh, my creative process. We're expanding to all these different languages. So I didn't know you were creative. Yeah, you, oh, slightly. You know, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm unleashing all my church growth powers on this baptismal certificate stuff, so I don't have to. The church doesn't have to suffer with it. Good. So I just got an outlet for all my church growth gurus. <laughs> now, uh, but this, so, but I don't know. I mean, it's true. Uh, one cross and three. I mean, well, okay. Well, if we want to be really picky, it's not true because. The two thieves next to Jesus probably also had one cross and four nails, and they just got... Wait, wait, how many nails again? Three, sorry, three nails. One (laughs) cross, three nails, and they probably got just buried. I was wondering where the fourth one went. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Now, you uh, see, so, but it's because it's it's not just the fact that there's a cross, but there's the fact that uh, Jesus is on the cross that does it. That's the point. But, I mean, look, that's, of course, what they mean, right? So... That's fine. Jesus uh, wins the forgiveness of sins on the cross. Now, the big problem, the big problem about the whole deal is that Jesus delivers the um, um, uh, forgiveness of sins in the gospel mm. and in uh, and in the church, uh, you know, which is the place of the gospel. So, what would you say? You you would probably do something like this. This is kind of a seminary sort of thing. You'd say. <laughs> Uh, one gospel, three sacraments equals four given. <laughs> <laughs> or four sacraments. How many sacraments? I can't remember how many you have now. Three and, or four. And there's a creativity of Pastor Wolf Miller. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, wait, I don't wait, know what else to say. Speaking Go Navy. Go Navy. Go Navy. All right. Well, here's another one. Hey, this is Will from New Jersey. Um, I'm looking at a bumper sticker right now that says... 2D1, the numbers and the letters, ask one, and then there's the Mason symbol in the middle with a G right in the center. And next to it is a bumper sticker that says, Democrats, change that matters with a D within it. So uh, hope you guys have fun with those. Bye. <laughs> Thanks. Oh change boy, that matters. Okay. Change that matters. Yeah, change. You know, no matter what you're changing or what you're changing to, you're just gonna change. That's why you know Carrie always says, uh, uh, you know, we're gonna go out for dinner or something. She says, wait, the kids have to change. 
So I like the kids just how they are. <laughs> change is a how do we do this? Change is a uh, transitive verb. It sh- at least it should be like faith. I mean, it's a matter of what you're changing and what you're changing into that matters. So, but anyways, if you're an ideologue, then all that matters is the verb. You don't need any nouns. Just change and hope and love. Did you did you pick up on this Mason one? I I didn't quite so, get it. To be one, ask one. That means oh, if you want to be a Mason, okay. ask a Mason. Gotcha. And I heard you can be one. It's B is in Bravo. I heard you know two D one is in Delta. So I was like two D one. What? It's like, it's like R two D two is over there. <laughs> this is like uh um uh so this is Mason evangelism. I don't know what I don't know why anyone would want to be a Mason. I mean, to learn well, I, a secret handshake. And, I was gonna say I don't, I don't know why a secret society has evangelism, but <laughs> I mean. no, no, no. That's a good point because you know the Masons probably grow grow out of the at least the tradition of the of the secret religion. You know the um uh, the the Gnostics the Gnostics religion. Uh, what are those things called? The Mystery religions, that's what they're called. They grow out of the mystery religions from the Greek, uh, which is, so the mystery religions, okay, do you know the mystery religions? What happens is you have Christianity, and then you get the Gnostic perversion of Christianity, and it invents the mystery religions. Now, all the higher critics come back and they say that Christianity was just a mystery religion itself. No, wrong, you got it all backwards. Uh, these mystery religions, and they'd have these cult meals, and they'd have these secret societies, and all these secret handshakes, and this is Greek mysteries. Well, the, the Gnostic or the the Masons are basically a mystery religion. So uh, the point is, you can be non-specific about your doctrine, and you have a bunch of secrets that you have to learn to advance up in these levels. Anytime someone starts talking about levels, uh, you get not you. That's just a vestige of Gnosticism, which sees the universe in all these kind of uh, levels and emanations and everything like this. So, although you, it's hard to find Masons around anymore, maybe some guys will uh, write in or call in and tell us they got a bunch of Masons hanging around. But at least I, I don't actually know anyone myself personally that's a Mason. Do you? A bunch um, of friends at the no, I don't. lodge. But but you see their buildings all the time and and their bumper stickers everywhere. So there's a lot. Apparently, a lot of them are on there. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think it's a. I think it's um I think this generation is um especially with the internet that everything is out there and public so this kind of secret religion stuff well, I don't know maybe to make a comeback because people want finally something private a secret that no one else knows mm. secret handshake yeah yeah there's something about just calling something a secret like, oh really ooh yeah um, like the secret meaning of table talk radio points yeah ooh never tell you oh, yeah <laughs> all right one more real quick with about a minute left. All right. Um, on one side of a church sign, Jonathan writes, um, God only wrote one book. Think you should read it. And on the other side of the sign, it says, what will it take for God to get your attention? Oh, I think the signs on the church are pretty effective at that, don't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, God it's only kinda... wrote one book. Think you should read it? Yeah. The answer to that is yes, you should you read should it. You should read it. Yes. Right. I, we at, here at Table Talk Radio are for Bible reading. Now, of course, the Bible is actually 66 books all put together in one cover. So I don't think it's accurate to say God only wrote one book. Uh, although if we're putting the best construction on things, which we normally don't do, I guess you could know what it's talking about. Uh, but then um, what will it take for God to get your attention? Uh you know this kind of wooing God, this God who's wooing us, and this sort of thing. Uh, 
I'm against it. Yeah, what's the Latin for the woo to God? <laughs> I don't know. Would it be what Luther says, the Deus Nudus? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Phrase Song Crunter on Table Talk Radio. Right after this, don't go away. Hi, this is Jonathan Fisk, imputing the awesomeness of Worldview Everlasting into your favorite show, Table Talk Radio. I'm selling you something. <laughs> I know you don't believe it, but it's true. I am. I, I'm trying to sell you or your congregation. If you're not a pastor, if you could give this information to your pastor, I'd really appreciate it. An electronic baptismal certificate. It's an electronic, customized uh, for your church certificate that prints out on an 11 by 17 page. It, it's an old-fashioned looking, but uh, a technologically up-to-date certificate with woodcut images, the four catechism baptismal verses, uh, and a place to input electronically uh, baptismal information, and it's available for $35 per congregation, and you can print as many as you want as, until the Lord Jesus returns. Uh, the way to see this certificate and get input to me for it or order it is to go to wolfsoncreative.com. It's W-O-L-F-S-O-N. C-R-E-A-T-I-V-E dot com. And you can click on the certificate there and, and see it. You can even print a sample to see if it, you can print it out and order information is all there as well. So again, it's wolfsoncreative.com. That's a customizable electronic baptismal certificates for your congregation. Uh, thanks for your time. And see, I am trying to sell you something and I hope you'll buy it. Analyzing everyone's favorite praise songs through the mystic scale. This is the praise song cruncher on Table Talk Radio. <laughs> I if, can't stop this feeling anymore. <laughs> That's perfect, Evan. If, uh, if you have a praise song you want us to send through the praise song cruncher, you can send us an email. Questions at tabletalkradio.org. In fact, both of our praise songs today are by request. All right. So Everyone um, likes the praise song cruncher. Not me. I feel like I lose a little part of myself <laughs> every time we crunch a praise song, you know? Like a little bit yeah, of my some hair. A, li- a li- <laughs> <laughs> little bit of my soul just slips away. <laughs> well, tell us about this praise oh. song cruncher you speak of. Okay, we got uh, this is officially called the criteria for discerning the usefulness of a praise song. Hey, by the way, I would just want to report back from the front that I am having um, what might be called success in conversations with um, people who use the praise song, pastors, you know, with this conversation about mysticism. I mean, I, just, I mean, normally these conversations about how we do worship and things, they don't go anywhere. I mean, they're dead before they start. You know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh. You sit down and, oh, yeah, well, you just like the 
you just like the classic liturgy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you just like the hip nonsense. People don't talk to each other about it anymore, et cetera, et cetera. Well, there's been some, uh, there's been some movement on the front here um, with these conversations when I could say, look, this is a pastoral concern. The, the root of contemporary worship is a theological mysticism that says that the point of worship is having an, exp- having an experience of the direct contact with the divine nature in my psyche. And then people can say, oh, well, that's not so good. So then I can tell people, look, you sit there and preach, because every pastor knows you have to preach this. You have to preach, hey, it doesn't matter if you feel forgiven, you are forgiven. It doesn't matter if you feel loved, you are loved. It doesn't matter if you feel close to God, God is close to you. You, Every pastor knows that that is the center of the comfort of the gospel that he's given to his people. Uh, but the praise song fights against that. Um, by saying it matters, all what matters is what you feel. That's how you can gauge this sort of stuff. So uh, there's so this conversation has been helpful. So I would encourage you all out there, uh, duking this out, to go with patience uh, to your praise guru pastor and have this conversation uh, pa- patiently and let them let them mull it over and start to think about it and and say, hey, is it right to sing about how we see God if we don't actually see Him? Because that because words mean things, so what do those words mean? And, and just let them chew on that sort of thing. So the praise song cruncher is the it serves the purpose of pulling out this inherent mysticism in the praise song. So we ask the question: Is Jesus mentioned? Is it clear? Is it mystical? Is law gospel divided? And is there any false doctrine? That's the five questions there. And there's a sliding scale. And someday someone will work out the algebra, uh, give, giving it all points, uh, and so we can have a more accurate gauge. But this is the way we get our hands around the grease pig. Yeah. I, I remember uh, when I was taking church history for it, I can't remember the individual. It just really bothers me that I can't I remember who it is. But it's one of these no-creedal guys, you know? And uh, what he found is it's really hard to teach his version of religion when you have no creeds. So what did he do? He wrote a hymnal. <laughs> and so, you know, you, you, you put words in people's mouth that they'll sing on Sunday morning, and all of a sudden, they start believing the religion that you want them to believe, even without an official creed. And this is what we're doing on Sunday mornings if we're singing praise songs, is, as you just said, every pastor knows that, that what, if, we, if we need to look at what God thinks of us, we do not look inward. We must look outside of us. But yes. the words that we're singing Sunday after Sunday is teaching us to look inward all the time, to, to this, uh, this feeling about how... God thinks of us, and, uh, and right. so you just uh, the, these these poor pastors are uh, are working so hard. It, it's like it's like they're uh, trying to put out a fire on one end, but they're lighting fires behind them at the same time. Yep. So good. Okay, so we have the criteria to, uh, of discerning praise songs here, and of course it's available on our website under the articles tab at tabletalkradio.org. You can print it out and give it to anyone you like. And uh, the first praise song we have is, um, uh, this is a classic praise song. It was sent in to us uh, by request by Frank. It's Days of Elijah, uh, written by Robin Mark. Oh, 
Yeah. I like this one because it's bouncy. I like this one because it has the reed flute in the background. Did you hear that? <laughs> the kind of... This this one totally sets me up to be, uh, you know, smothered by a, a slow one later. And I'm just like... <laughs> oh, yeah, man. the setup song. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The way that the, the hermeneutic of the praise song, you so you go fast, fast, slow. Yeah, yeah. Fast, well, fast, slow. Gradual slowing. Yeah, yeah. Slow it down. Yeah. Now, uh, I've got... I, I'm trying to figure out what in the world this thing is talking about. Here's the second stanza, or whatever it is. These are the days of Ezekiel, the dry bones becoming flesh. These are the days of your servant David, rebuilding the temple of praise. Hmm. These are the days of the harvest. The fields are as white in your world, and we are the laborers in your vineyard, declaring the word of the Lord. There's no God like Jehovah. Yeah, what and the, and the, the bottom there, song? that's where the repetition comes in. You get this like this uh, hypnotic mantra going, There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like oh. Jehovah. Oh. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if I've ever yeah. even heard this song in real life. I mean, apart from radio <laughs> life. Yeah, this is your virtual life. Don't worry about yeah, us. Right. <laughs> We're not real. <laughs> Let's... Crunch this praise song. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. The first question is Jesus. Is he mentioned yes, no, and if yes, a name or concept? Well, look, Jesus' name is Jehovah, but uh, I don't think that's what it's talking about because this is a kind of particularly Old Testament song, you know? I mm-hmm. mean, this is it's like, let's just pretend Jesus never came kind of thing. That's what this is. I mean, I, this could be a Jewish praise song. Let me see here. Hmm. The only there's one reference to the New Testament. The fields are white. Uh, we're the laborers in your vineyard. That's well. That's Old Testament too. The fields are white for harvest. That's from that's only New Testament, I think. The year of jubilee, Zion's hill, salvation comes. This is this kind of this is a hyper Zionist song. No, so <laughs> so you get no mention of Jesus. I me- I remember when I was in college, we had to um, go to two churches of services we were unfamiliar with and um a bunch of my friends and i went to a, a messianic jewish church you know the, these are the uh those who believe that jesus was the messiah but want to uphold all the jewish customs and things and i was so excited to go because i was thinking we're going to see some rich uh i don't know some sort some sort of liturgy or rites or a, a deep heritage in, in their worship i was so excited we get there and it was, it was a praise band, but it had a Hebrew translation up there. So I don't know if that's if that's the same <laughs> a praise thing. band, but the words are translated into Hebrew. <laughs> yes. Are you kidding me? So they would alternate stanzas between Hebrew and in English. It was it was really weird. It was very disappointing. <laughs> My goodness. Much like listening to Table Talk Radio. Yeah, that's right. Set you up. I want to hear about all the other disappointments in your life that set you up for being the host of this show. Well, meeting you for one. <laughs> all right. Yeah, that's for sure. Oh, man. Two, clarity. Um, clarity. No, this song is not clear. I mean, these are the days of Elijah? What does that mean? Do you know what that means? Declaring these are the days of your servant Moses? No, they're, no, they're not. 
This is the weird thing is this this song was probably written by a dispensationalist that's completely dumbfounded by dispensationalism because if if the dispensationalist dispensationalist knows anything they know that it's not the days of oh you know what I I bet you I know what this is was this song was written by a dispensationalist to be sung in the great tribulation because <laughs> now you go back to the old covenant so you got to sing all this stuff. <laughs> That's what this song is. I gotta do the. We gotta do the research and see if it's true. But I'll bet you this song, "Days of Elijah," was written by some dispy for the converted Jews to sing in the Great Tribulation. That's my. Which means. <laughs> that's that's quite my the conspiracy guess. theory. Man, I get. Yeah. All right. Uh, mysticism. Is there is there mysticism in this one? Um. No. no well, let me see. Did you find any? I, I didn't really see a lot of mysticism in this one. No, this I mean, le- unless you count the the uh, the repetition at the end. Yeah, um, I mean, I just, no, I don't think there's mysticism. I mean, it's so unclear what the, is actually happening in the song. So I don't know. All right, well, so. let's finish up this crunch on the other side of the break. In the meantime, you can give us a call, 1-800-385-SOLA, to tell us your favorite praise songs that need to be crunched. We'll be right back on Table Talk Radio. Don't go away. You see, you're not making Christianity better. You're just making rock and roll worse. This is Table Talk Radio. Welcome back to the final segment of Table Talk Radio. We are in the middle of a praise song crunch with the Days of Elijah by... Robin Mark, this was submitted to us by request. You can do so also by emailing us questions at tabletalkradio.org. Or uh, if you're in the middle of this praise song, uh, you've uh, been attacked by a praise song, uh, pull out your phone and text message the word table talk to 69302 and the title of the song. So 69302, the word table talk all together, one word, and then the name of the song, and we'll get it here in the Table Talk Radio studios. For your crunching pleasures. Hey, I, I found, by the way, in the um, meantime, I looked at Robin Mark's website, and he has the story behind the days of Elijah. Oh, okay, let's hear. It. <laughs> um, uh, uh, even though these were historical, it's something Rwanda, something. These people, historical facts, live in the old covenant days. Their action and characters can be used to teach and represent the character of God under the new covenant, and they continually and repeatedly point to Christ. People call this typology. (laughs) (laughs) Firstly, the song came from watching television review of the year at the end of 1994. This was the year when the Rwanda Civil War tragedy claimed one million people's lives, and also when the first ceasefire uh, were declared on the TV review, a lot of... um, Sad stories, happy stories, serious stories, and then absolutely devastating stories like the Rwanda situation. As I watched the review I un- unfold, I found myself despairing about the state of the world and in prayer began asking God if he really was in control and what sort of days we were living in. I felt in my spirit that he replied to my prayer. Nice. <laughs> By saying that indeed he was very much in control and that the days we were living in were special times when he would require Christians to be filled with integrity and to stand up for him just like Elijah did particularly with the prophets of Baal. These are Elijah days. Mm. 
I think you were wrong. I was wrong. It's, it's so this is uh, here's a long thing about this. Oh man. Um the song is perhaps a little complex, he says at the end. Uh I can assure you this was not deliberate. I've written a lot of simple, straightforward hymns and songs covering a lot of themes. This song seemed to have been used particularly by God in the ministry of praise and worship and themes and pictures it uses seem to be a grasped by God's people all over the world. I believe I wrote what God was telling me to write. All right. You know, this is this is the point, though, right? That the obscurity of the song is the appeal for the praise song, right? I mean, this this is this is uh, the reason you have the clarity question on it is that if if it's highly unclear, then the more it paves the way for mysticism. Right. Yeah. So, hmm. all right, law gospel. And is there uh, anything in no, there? No, it's all law, presumably. It's all kind of moralism. All right. And any explicit false teaching? Uh, well, I, I don't know. I mean, are these the days of Elijah and Moses? So, he, I mean, maybe to be clear, he, what he meant to say was these are like the days of Elijah. He just forgot that word. Well, it didn't fit into the, the, the metrical beat, you know. These are like the days of Moses. Yeah. These are like the days of Ezekiel. I'm not sure that's true, but that's what he meant to say. This is a long explanation here. It's like three pages long. What does he say? He's talking about... Um, I, I, I must make it clear that I did not set out to write an overly complex or secret song. <laughs> Whoops. I felt... I, I only know what I wrote. I felt prompted by the Holy Spirit. Perhaps it was his desire to say something more than I personally intend. Whoa. <laughs> and to do more with the song than I first considered. <laughs> All right. This. I mean... This, at first, we thought that the song wasn't very mystic, but now it's off, off the charts mysticism. Man. Oh, man. I mean, no, no, don't worry, dear Lutherans. You'll be safe singing this, I'm sure. Oh, <laughs> no, no danger but, at all. Oh, you know this song is found in LCMS churches everywhere. You know it is. Brother. All right, let's uh, let's start this next crunch. Um, it's uh, the song East to West by Casting Crowns. And okay. it was sent in to us by Sean. Uh, here it is. Here I am, Lord, and I'm drowning In your sea of forgetfulness The chains of yesterday surround me I yearn for peace and rest I don't want to end up where you found me And it echoes in my mind Keeps me awake tonight No, you've cast my sin as far as the east is from the west, and I stand before you now as though I've never sinned. But today I feel like I'm just one mistake away from you leaving me this way. Jesus, can you show me just how far the east is from the west? I can't bear to see the man I've been rising up in me again in the arms of your mercy I find rest you know just how far the east is from the west from one scarred hand to the other all right 
There yeah. you go. Hey, I kind of like that. East is from the west, from one scarred hand to the other. That's an, that's nice. Mm-hmm. That'll preach right there. Uh-oh. Hmm. Those of you who are listening at Hope this Church next Sunday. <laughs> next Sunday. Oh, yeah. That sermon will preach before this show airs. <laughs> so I'm sure I'll say uh, that the show got it from my sermon. Now, let's see. The next line here. I start the day the war begins. That's Now, this idea of the Christian life as warfare is right. Endless reminding of my sin. Time and time again, your truth is drowned out by the storm I'm in. Today, I feel like I'm just one mistake away from you. Leave. This. Do you know what this song does? This song... Uh, is is fighting against the whole praise song thing that I because it's saying look I feel like I'm about to lose you but I know I'm not mm-hmm. it's that whole struggle to to kind of escape the mystic sort of praise song thing now I'm not sure if it's helpful to have a mystic praise song about uh, trying to escape the dangers of mystic praise song but <laughs> might as well why not so let's crunch this sucker is there, are we in the last segment of the show yes we are oh man all right let's get with to about it. four minutes okay. So the first question is Jesus. Is Jesus mentioned? Yes, Jesus mentioned by name. Uh, Jesus, you can show oh, me how far yep. the east is from the west. You got it. Okay, good. Uh, next question is clarity. Is the song clear with uh, subject, verb, and object? Um, yeah, uh, mostly clear. There's a few uh, fragments here. It echoes in my mind. Keeps and I know. Yeah, I stand for this. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is clear. I mean, I understand what's happening here. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's clear. Yeah, you can. Okay. I mean, you can pick it apart. Uh, three is mysticism. Now there is a, there is emotionalism here. I mean, it's talking about my feelings, but it's this is the point: is it's critiquing. It says, "Look, I feel like I'm one mistake away from you leaving mis- me this way." In other words, I feel like Lord, I know I I I feel my own sin. And I think that because of this, of because of my sin, um, you're just gonna you're just gonna dump me. You're gonna be through with me. And and I, Evan, this I mean I talk to people all the time who have this same sort of feeling. And it's saying and it's and this song is fighting against it by saying, look, you died though. You know how far the east is from my from the west, and you that's how far you've cast my sins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. Now, I mean, there's this. In the arms of your mercy, I find rest. I mean, that's kind of taking a little poetic license, you know. Maybe just to say, in your mercy, I find rest, and keep out the arms business and help it be less mystical. But generally, I mean, this is kind of an interesting song because it's kind of it's both mystical and at the same time anti-mystic. So I don't know. What would you put it in the middle? What like a six or a four or whatever on the good side of the middle? I can't remember how the gauge uh, goes. That was six. Okay. All right, and then law gospel. I know. Here's a line we haven't talked about. I know you've washed me in the white. You've washed me white. Turned my darkness into light. I need your peace to get me through. To get me through this night. I can't live by what I feel, but by the truth your word reveals. Mm. I'm not holding on to you, but you're holding on to me. You're holding on to me. Yeah, that's nice. That's nice. That's real nice. So that's law gospel rightly divided right there. Good. I can't live by what I feel, but by the truth your word reveals. Is there yep. any explicit false teaching? Not that I see. Okay, now this is this is the, the the question though with this song because I mean I know Casting Crowns releases 
albums of Christian music. So the question is, is this a praise song or is this is this just kind of a a song that someone would listen in their in their car? I, I don't know. I I wouldn't do this in church just because the style is not I don't think conducive and helpful. But uh, this is one that we would have authorized for family listening. Mm-hmm. But it'd be it'd be interesting to see if if this would be sung as a praise song. I mean, I mean, yeah, if, I don't if know. it's between this and Days of Elijah, I mean, so I mean, sing if, this song. Yeah, yeah. So so print, so print this off or take a CD. You know, if your church. Uh, has to sing praise songs. Print, take take this song to the the praise song guy and say, hey, let's sing this one. Um, yeah, it'd be it'd be just interesting to see if it, if it does. So I would like, um, if anyone knows that this song is used as a praise song in a church, to email me uh, Evan at tabletalkradio.org. So I'm just curious if this is, if this one's usable in in a congregational setting. Do you do you agree with our, our my uh, critique here? Do you have anything to add? Yeah, to this? no. You wanna, it, I mean, I think it's right that it that it's uh it working against these these feelings because I mean this is this is what the devil wants us to do is to trust in our feelings. Well, I don't I don't feel close to God, so I must not be. And, and we we have to to look outside of us. That's why that's why we have word and sacrament to make us look outside of us. So that's good. All right, and that's all the time we have for this edition of Table Talk Radio, where the points are like feeling far from God. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Good. You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like your feedback on today's show. Call us toll-free, 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.